Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a... Geez, right now I'm not competing in anything, but I'm the former power lifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild and the USSF, among other things. So, training with the hip replacement. So, yeah, training with the hip replacement. Squatted for the first time this week. Oh, how massive! Forty-five pound bar, but it felt amazing. Oh, see, it's so satisfying. PR. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny too, just to just to be able to put your hands on the knurling of the Olympic bar and squat up and down a little. I don't know. Yeah, it felt really good. I did about 100 reps with just nothing, and it was amazing. So, <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, if you can't tell everybody, we're struggling a little this morning. We're just nursing coffee and doing what we can do here. Um, we have a little bit of news and mail, and then we're going to talk about – Phil and I are the only guys on today. We're going to talk about um, – Muscle documentaries after the break. There's been a couple ones that are notable, and uh, we'll talk shop about that. Let's start with some of the the powerlifting social news, or I guess you call it. What's going on there? Powerlifting drama. Strength and muscle sport news. And I just got caught up on this yesterday. But um, there was a meet, and it was an IPA meet up in Illinois. And after the meet, videos came out, and people start uh, people that see the the videos on the YouTube and things like that. The internet warriors start, well, that was a bad squat. This was a bad bench. Blah 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 blah. Um, and unlike any other sport ever has, you know, the IPA ended up didn't end up standing behind its judges, and they like unsanctioned the meet after the fact. What? I, yeah, so, and they're like, none of the records count. There were several records broken and this and that. Um, and, you know, basically they, they they listened to the Internet Warriors and turned down their judges and things like that. But then, I mean, the drama gets deeper. The IPA comes out, and they're like, the meet director, the state chair, never requested sanctioning and never paid for sanctioning. Therefore, the meet doesn't count, so everybody gets their... Anybody who bought their membership cards for this meet will get their money back. Oh. And then the meet director comes on and shows a bunch of texts and like credit card receipts for the paying for the meet and showing that he is meat sanctioned. Oh, and, well, it plot thickens. Oh God! So yeah, it's just huge drama all over the place, and they they like let go of this state chair. And there were some big lifters there, like you know, it's like the little bridges there were there, and this and that. Um, so it's just all this freaking drama and. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I mean, supposedly there's you know several world records broken and this and that, and people were saying it's high. You know, this squat was high, this bench was messed up, and then you see other videos and people are like, well, the squat's good, and um, the argument on the bench was one of the spotters, I guess, touched the weight on one side, and oh. you know the best argument I've heard for that is that lifter has no 
he has no control over what that spotter did, and he didn't even know it happened. And if the judges didn't call it, well, it's a miscue by the judges. And I mean, the same thing happens in football and everything else. Sometimes there's bad calls, right? But you know, so that that's the tough spot. Well, wasn't that the big thing in uh, God ten, fifteen years ago in the NFL? There was all this um, fuss about after the fact, you know, because video you can look at things from different angles and this and that. Should we retro call things, or you know, no, the call has to be the call. And I think ultimately. It has to be that way, right? In the age where everybody's got a high-def camera pointing at you, yes. I think you've got to actually honor the call as it's happening, even yeah, if it's a bad honor one. human error. And, you know, if, as long as you've got qualified judges, you know, and things like that, they're, they're, sure, there's going to be a – just like 30 years ago, there's going to be a little bit of error involved. It's just going to happen. But I don't know. And then the resounding theme has been that, you know, the IPA has a pretty bad rap anyways for – uh, bad calls, and so mm. then of course the plot thickens more, and then they here comes all these other videos out from past meets of just dreadfully high squats that have been passed and called all time records, and they're like, if this meet's getting turned down, why didn't this one? <laughs> you know, haven't we talked about before? Meet. Like, um, in a way, there's a conflict of interest for some of these organizations because if some big name comes in and they judge him leniently, then they get sort of extra attention. It's almost, you know, again, like a conflict of interest, like, yeah. oh, our, uh, we had a famous guy come set a world record, and yeah. maybe they were just a little too lenient because they wanted that to happen, so they'd have yeah. the bragging rights. Every said wants to have the, the biggest record. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, all this is hearsay from me, so I'm catching it on social media and from people I know. But, um, you know, supposedly there was a weigh-in issue, like nobody weighed in, so... You have people going after world record attempts after no weigh-in, so that actually shows that they actually made weight. And uh, I don't know. I saw one post that like Daryl Derek Kendall like was so pissed off he quit the team and won't come back to the gym. Um, wow! And, and things like that. <laughs> so, like I said, it's just more powerlifting drama. And I mean, the resounding theme has been: if you don't want this drama, then two things: make sure you lift incredible federations, and take your squats deep enough. You know, there, you just cured it. You know, it's all on your own shoulders. And hey, wasn't I agree it, to a point. I agree. Wasn't it Marty Gallagher? He basically said no gray area, right? Back in the yeah. day, it was – it had to be beyond doubt. That yeah. guy is deep, you yes. know, stuff like that. And then there's just less controversy. Exactly. To, to me, the video stuff, you know, it could drag out a meet for weeks unless oh. they're going to have video at the event. You know, almost like, again, in the NFL where – uh, maybe a ref can review something right there on the sideline, but it's got to be something that the call has to be made there. Yes, you know, and I agree. And that's, I mean, in in my federation, I have people. It's like I tell my judges, if you have a doubt, turn it down. You know, it's just that easy. If if you're doubting at all, if if you're like, oh, yep, that's good, call it good. But if you're like, eh, well, man, call it. Yeah. So yeah, because I'd rather see it. You know, taken again. I've been called. And it just happens. So, right. and I think at this point, with the, so many federations, it does kind of lay on the lifters. And because you know, someone out there has got a freaking phone on you, so you're going to be called out. You know, with right? Squad yeah. high, so just do it. I yeah. Mean, and that's why I, I tell my lifters, and there's no point in cutting a squat high in training or anything because it's not going to count. So, so why even do it? You might as well. Either way, you miss the you miss the lift. Right, you know, as yeah. far as meets go, so you might as well go low and not make it up and let the spotters help you. 
So because at least you gave yourself a chance. If you just squatted high, then you're like, yeah, I almost had that. Well, who cares about almost? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's the tough thing. But it's it's like everything else. There's always always drama in the in the world of powerlifting. Is uh, I know you obviously you started your own organization. Is IPA have they had problems with? actual running of a meet before i mean forget about just the judging but like this sounds like the meet was just run in a questionable way not that i know of and i I mean i've lifted in a lot of federations but i've never lifted an ipa so i can't say for you know from my own perspective but not that i know of um it's just you know there have been some some high calls and stuff like that that have been kind of gifted away from from hearsay but gotcha i think this is the first one where i've heard like no way in and stuff like that. So that's a first for me. I've never heard of a meet that mm-hmm. does that. You know, interestingly, in bodybuilding, you don't really see that so much because, like, uh, if there's a bad call, a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, well, they don't try to change the placings later. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But again, the subjectivity in bodybuilding is far greater, you know, so. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you have, it's almost just solely opinion opinion bodybuilding yeah so. there i mean there are certain criteria but again it's they're trying to codify subjectivity with mm-hmm. it really but yeah. you know what i mean they never i don't think anybody ever tries to say no uh he really was second place he shouldn't have been in fourth mm-hmm. you know or something like that i mean people might say that they might disagree sometimes yeah. they'll say oh he was paying his dues the judges are waiting to see if this guy's a real force to be reckoned with now to me, this whole pay your dues thing, I never liked anyway because it's supposed to be the best man on the day, you yes. know. And if you're the best, I don't care if you're a twenty yeah. year old newbie, you know, new out of nowhere guy. If you're the best, then you're the best, yeah. you know. But in a sport like that, I think there's always going to be controversy. There's going to be there's always going to be groups saying this and that person should have won, and yeah. because of, because of the subjectivity, yeah. And yet, powerlifting and strength orders should be less, you know. It should, but and yet, in bodybuilding, I've never actually seen it gone to the extent of, you Mm -hmm. know, um, they might dislike what the judges said, but they never, I don't think, try to retro change the placings or something like that, or you know what I mean. That's they're saying this is the first they've they've ever seen this in powerlifting. They're like, you know, that's a lot of people saying. They said there's all these other sports. And you've never seen the NFL, NBA, anybody come out and literally just change the change the outcome right. of what their their judges on the field called. Right. You know, they always stand behind their judges, and that's kind of a, and that's maybe the biggest thing uh, that comes out of this is as far as uh, affecting powerlifting is it's it's the first time it's ever happened, and and, and it looks bad on the sport. Right too. now, can so, you? Can you educate me on this then? What criteria? I'm sure it's different from uh, league or you know, organization to organization, but what are the criteria? What qualifies you to be a judge? Depends on the some. Sometimes it's hey, buddy, I need a judge. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, a lot of them have a very easy to pass judges test. Like I'm a judge in numerous federations. Okay, basically, you take a written exam. Um, okay, so there is a little one that of... you know the rules, mm-hmm. you know, a written exam that shows that you know the rules, and and that's where I'd love it's I'd love to put together a more extensive one where it's like video based and crap like that, right? And it shows different angles, and it's like you have a little button, good or no good, you know, and then why? That yeah, thing. That's, that would be that's, awesome. <laughs> that would that would mean that I have a federation that's making a lot of money, and right now mine is like very homegrown, and I like it that way. So yeah. 
Um, but eventually, I'd love to get to that point. Because right now, it sounds like, as with bodybuilding, there's a risk of cronies, you know, where you yes. just get your buddies. And you know what it's like in bodybuilding. I've seen it where uh, some of the judges were either best friends with or actually one of the trainers of, like, this cohort of uh, – Athletes, you know, like yeah. some diet guru. He's one of the judges, or his buddy's one of the judges, and you start seeing these lenient and very political type places. Yes, you know, and you, man, you just cannot have that because it it invalidates the whole sport. Oh yeah, and I've been you at know. several meets where you see the like a, a lot of times at a powerlifting meet, especially smaller ones, there'll be like one big name there, and uh, you'll you'll see the judging gets is, is way different for them. Which sadly. You know, and in my opinion, it's the opposite. In my opinion, if somebody's, if some kid's walking into his first meet, he weighs 250 pounds and he's squatting like 315, I would rather see the leniency on him because right. he's a first time lifter. Yeah. And it's yep. like, let him have a good day. He's not, he's 580 pounds away from the record. You know, it's not right. going to affect anything. Yeah. No, that's right. As opposed to this guy that's going for a thousand pound squat and it's a, Potentially new world because well, then it's that good for the be, sport instead of bad yes. for the sport, you know. And that should be judged to the tightest standards, in my opinion, because you're you're potentially changing, you know, somebody that worked their ass off even as far nowadays. I mean, some of these records are twenty years old getting beaten. Twenty years ago, that guy busted his ass and he's held that record for twenty years. Give him some respect. Make this guy earn it. Respect. You know? Yeah, good word. <laughs> Make this guy earn the the right to beat him by doing it right. Yeah, and. You know, that's what I'd love to see. And I don't know, that's, I haven't even had to use it in our federation yet because I'm the only federation that we know of that I know of that we actually honor. We didn't make up our own world records and national records. So we honor all the other existing records from all federations that were done under the same criteria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you want to, if you want the deadlift record in the 220 class, you got to beat Eddie Cohn. So, right. and, and what I put right in the, I, I did add video into ours. Like, okay, for to beat a world record, you have to pass the judges on that day, and then there has to be the meet director has to have somebody doing video from two different angles. Oh, bring and out the cameras, pass, yeah, and it has to pass the judges back at home before it's actually sent in as a world record. And I, I but I also lay out the exact angles I want it from, mm-hmm. and this and that. Mm-hmm. So because yeah. I want a world record to be a freaking world record. The, <laughs> there's also that risk, I think, that if you have, let's say, you have a sort of famous judge come in like in bodybuilding there's a head judge but you wonder if that main person influences the judging of everyone else you know what i mean like if you've got two two guys you know that are sort of your buddies and then there's a a main guy who experienced high level competitor who's one of the judges you wonder if the other uh, judges don't sort of follow suit they wait for Mm -hmm. him to give the up or down and sadly i've seen that a lot i've seen like you'll see a close call and you'll see judges looking at each other to mm-hmm, see what they call mm-hmm. And I try and tell people, and I try to do this with myself, I will call what I think before I even look at everybody else. Um, because yeah. it's on me, you know, and there's right. three of them out there. That's the good thing about it. I mean, is uh, in powerlifting, I, I love the fact that there's three judges because, I mean, you need two out of three. And it's like, well, if I can convince two of them, I'm good. Right. And there's always that outlier. I mean, so you don't have to get all of them. But, right. And it saved my butt because my hip. <laughs> yeah. Right. I basically I was always I was always lifting for two judges as far as my squad. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's it. like I know that dude's giving me a red light. So I got to convince these other two guys. So. Yeah. And you know it's it's yeah. funny in similar ways. Um, I remember or the the last round of competing that I did. There were some people, and you can actually 
almost pick like you're standing there on the stage and like i bet that guy's gonna like me and that lady's gonna like my build because again it, it there is some subjectivity you know and like if i so if i see a bald guy with a goatee and he's you know uh looks like a bodybuilder and he maybe he's shaped like i am i think he's probably going to prefer my style of physique. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I look like he does, you know, whereas if somebody comes in and they're looking for, you know, the kind of guy who's all chest and arms and no legs, um, that guy's going to vote me down because I never looked like that, you know? Um, But you you could almost guess. It sounds funny, but um, I don't know what correlation is there, but you can almost guess who's going to judge you better or worse. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you honor... Like in bodybuilding, you'll throw out the high and the low score typically. That's good. That's a way to throw out the outliers. If someone just has a thing against you, you know, because they don't like, you know, like if they're looking for a Tom Platts and you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, those guys don't look the same. And I know those are old examples. I can't really use modern examples because, frankly, the differences between a Phil Heath and a Kai Green, I don't think they're as different as an Arnold and a a Franco, you know, or Mm -hmm. Arnold and a Platts. But yeah. You can't please everybody, so you're right. I mean, it's that sort of majority rules thing. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's just the name of the game. But, I mean, I think in the end, it was it was JP that put it that way. It's like, it's on the lifters nowadays because there are so many federations. If, if you're a higher-up lifter, do your lifts right and do it in a credible federation, and you won't have these issues. <laughs> you know, you right. Just, you yeah. don't hear this stuff coming out of, like, the IPF. You just you hear no drama, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're the, on the world level. They're as strict as it gets. You know, honestly, Phil. Now for raw lifters, that doesn't matter much because I mean I think they're just now starting raw. But uh, still, I mean it's yeah, yeah. So. Honestly, I can't keep track. I mean, how many? Yeah. I know there are I, many. I don't know how many I mean, major. Just, how many major players? Three. In yeah, powerlifting? I mean the weird thing is, is it bounces because like five years ago, SPF was huge. And and now it's not because mm-hmm. they got a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. So now it's like USPA is really pushed up, and then it's regional. Like NASA is big around here in the Midwest because they're based out of Oklahoma. And I go out west, and they don't—they're not even there, <laughs> you know. So it's it's really regional. But um, and like what was it? Raw, hundred percent raw was was coming up for a long time, and now you, I don't hear anything about them. So it's this weird, like lifters, big name lifters jump. From this one, and then I don't like that one anymore. I'm going over here, and so yeah, there's probably three or four at a time mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. big, and that's the thing with mine. I mean, I two reasons: I don't have the freaking time to make it huge. If I all of a sudden had a staff of like five people, I'd go for it. <laughs> sure, yeah, but it's like I I didn't start it for that. I didn't start a federation to get rich, and that's why I don't have I don't have a membership fee, and I keep the meets low because I just wanted a place for lifters to lift, and. uh and and they get good calls and have a good time, so, um, and we give away some cash, but uh, which I think is cool. I think that's a very it, cool aspect of what you do. Yeah, and it's a lot of this is just it, it is political, and it's usually somebody somebody gets pissed off over at this federation. They used to be a higher up there, and then they decided to start their own because they want to make money because they see Joe Bob making money. Um, yeah, it, the, again with the, the conflict that. though. That's a conflict of interest. Instead of being about the health of the sport or the mm-hmm. respect of some of these legends that hold these yes. records, you're just yeah. you're out to make money. I in bodybuilding I, I always saw that. Like back in the day there was always the main the main event was always the National Physique Committee, you know, the mm-hmm. NPC. But then NABA 
was old school. And yeah. that was all the way back to Arnold's days. We'll talk about this a little after the break. But um, NABBA is very hardcore. Those tend, in my mind at least, open competitions. You'll see some of the really dramatic physiques. You know, you can call them drug physiques, whatever you want. But, you know, mm-hmm. really hardcore stuff. And then the, way back there was the AAU, the Amateur Athletic yeah. Union. But now – um, I, it's mostly on the natural side because in a lot of ways there's a parallel where raw uh, powerlifting has become so popular. Mm-hmm. In a similar era, natural bodybuilding has become more of a thing. And I think people, because they're starting to just eschew or get away from those big GH belly physiques, so mm-hmm. so the natural thing picks up. But to me, I cannot keep track. If you told me what's the biggest natural bodybuilding yeah. federation, I have no idea. There's a thousand. I can't keep track. So when I hear someone yeah. say I'm a pro natural bodybuilder, this might piss off some people, but I kind of roll my eyes at that a little bit because yeah. in which in which league, you know, like yeah. I'll give you an example. Back in when I was competing in like full contact taekwondo, once I won the Eastern U.S. and Canada black belt heavyweight division, but mm-hmm. That was one of a hundred different yeah. groups. It would be folly for me to try to claim that I was the best tournament guy. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, my God. Not it's not like, by a long like, shot. <laughs> it's like how boxing turned out. There used to be a belt, and now there's like 17 heavyweight belts <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. to be the world champion. So you'll see like a guy walk out with six belts. Um, no, exactly. But, uh, it's Yeah, it's, it's weird like that. And I'd love to get to the day when – we were back to one federation, but the thing is, you never will because there's so many. And I understand you won't because I mean, one of the biggest ones here is USAPL. But damn, man, at a point they've gotten so strict that they don't let lifters lift, and that's why they lost a lot of lifters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've just the, it the goes both rules, ways, doesn't it? Yeah, the rules have gotten so nitpicky. Like if you move your head a, a millimeter, it's a bad lift. It's like that. My moving my head has nothing to do with me picking up benching that bench. Right. You know, it's like right. at a point you have to let the lifters lift too. But we don't want crap where they're like legs are swinging around off the floor and crap stuff like that. Sure, there's a limit, but you know, so that's that's the tough part. And it's I don't think you'll ever find there's too many people involved <laughs> and people screw things up. Yeah, you know, free market. You know, people want their own set of rules. Like you'll see people start a federation just because they don't like, you know, this. I want to be able to squat and wraps instead of sleeves. And and my I've lifted in a ton of federations, and I. I just go lift in a federation that I has a set of rules that I kind of like, and I I don't go in there thinking world record. I go in there thinking I'm going to go in and try and beat my other stuff, and that's all that matters. And if you just go in there and have fun and do it that way, and if you actually put up some type of weird no named national record, then enjoy it. But you yeah, know, right? Yep. <laughs> realize there's other real national records out there. So, right. And on. I I hate seeing that. Like you said, I mean, if you'd have called yourself. You know, next thing you know, Lonnie's on the news is the best Taekwondo person ever. And there's there's seven other guys that hold the same title. Exactly. Yeah, you just have to have some level of – it's not even just modesty. It's just realism. You know, it's like there's like, I don't know, 15 different groups. And, you know, I think that's why, in fact, the Mr. Olympia was originally created. They got together all these Mr. Universes and, Mm -hmm. you know, and this and that. And they're like, let's put all the best guys and let them try for like some Uber show. I don't know, but. And that's, I don't know, I like the AAU, like you mentioned AAU. We're going to one of their meets August 1st. I love that federation for the kids because, mm-hmm. well, it's the only one that a ton of kids are involved in. And that's why they're trying to talk me into taking over it here in Kansas. And I don't mind doing it. You know, even though I own a another federation, 
I'm fine with that because I love it because my kids have a chance to compete against other kids. And yeah, that's those the, guys the are way old school be. too. They're, that's like what here it is. 1939, it yeah. was first held the the Mr. And America. You know, yeah. Wow. And it's it's drug free and it should be for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, and crap like that. And I, I really like that. So, um, and then the other federations, I don't care. I mean, I'm. People always ask me about the drug issue. It's like, well, it's part of the sport and it's never going to be not part of the sport. So just get over it and move on. Right. So, well, that's sort of what disappointed me a little bit about sort of the natural movement in bodybuilding was that I, I've never, and maybe this is totally my ignorance, but I personally never took any of them as seriously as I have like NABA or the NPC. Well, yeah. You know, I just, I, I can't take them as seriously. And it's not because I just prefer enhanced physiques, but mm-hmm. they're just, uh, back in like the 80s and, and 90s, they were sort of preachy. And I didn't like some of the message, like, yeah. you can look like those pros. It, you just have to want it more and train harder yeah. and longer. No. Okay, yeah. no. You're not going to weigh 270 with 1% yeah. body fat. That's not going to happen. And so they were sort of doing a disservice because a lot of young people, young guys are like, I just don't have what it takes. And so there was this yeah. sort of preachy thing. And then now, like I said, it's just a quagmire of too many different groups. And, yeah. Uh, I and that happened, a lot in, that happened a lot in powerlifting. It was like these these totally 100% natural federations come out and they'd be taunting their their records and it was like nah. they got so far to the, to the point where it's like no you're just you're just creating let records for the people that are lazy you know? yeah yeah <laughs> because at a point it was it was like uh, there were records being broken that were like way way below any 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 record and it's like you know that's just a record for somebody who really doesn't want to train that god that is so similar right because <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like a, it, in like in bodybuilding mm-hmm. i no offense but i don't want to see some guy he's 510 he's 148 pounds he might be ripped to shreds but i kind of don't care i don't yeah. know there's not enough i mean bodybuilding should be about building you yeah. know well and in uh, bodybuilding it's gotten so far as you almost need there's the Drug-free, there's the almost drug-free, there's <laughs> right. mediocre drug use, and now we've got full-blown. Lifetime you know, like free. measured by the gram. You know? <laughs> right. We're in the, this is the two-gram and under league. <laughs> you know? oh, that's funny. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. All right. Well, hey, I've got one little bit of news here before, we'll sneak this in before break. We sort of <clears> went on a tangent there, but that, that's good. Um, Iron li- listener advice. This is from Josh. He says... Uh, hey, hope you guys are all good. I've been listening to you guys for what seems like forever, and I love this show. I was wondering if I could ask a question uh, either to you or the show in general. Uh, you've said many times that your bone and joint structure make you completely unsuited to powerlifting, and I think I'm in the same boat. I'm 5'10", um, probably have like a 28-inch waist, lean, um, six and three-quarter inch wrists, currently weighing uh, around 85 kilos. Uh, I really enjoy lifting heavy, but I feel that it isn't doing me any good. My numbers are still very small, and he gives some numbers here, and I feel that the biggest thing that's keeping me back is injury. Every time I start to progress a little uh, and get heavy, I get a little injury that sets me back to where I was. Recently, I decided to start working my pull-ups. I have never been able to do one. Uh, I did a few weeks where I focused on chin-ups a few times a week, and before long, uh, got to being able to do a single and then double sets of pull-ups. After a few more weeks, I got very bad elbow pain. No other exercises seem to do this. But when I do a pull-up, I get a grinding sensation in my left elbow and I get elbow pain. 
Uh, I wondered if this was due to elbow weakness, so I started doing a few sets of dumbbell curls once a week, which I don't usually do, and I instantly started getting wrist pain. I'm frankly feeling demotivated because it seems like something gets in the way no matter what I do, and I'm starting to feel like I'm just not cut out for lifting. I've already had two shoulder surgeries uh, to stop them from dislocating, etc. You guys know it's harder uh, to strengthen a joint after surgery, uh, but I never had really strong shoulders to begin with. I was wondering, generally, what advice can you give to lifters with small joints? Where do we have to be careful with volume, intensity, and frequency, uh, and which of those destroy us the most? Uh, How can we balance all three to get growth without destroying ourselves. And then he says, secondly, any sort of specific training that I can do to enhance my joint integrity. Uh, and he goes on a little bit more, but it says, all the best to you and the rest of the guys. What do you think, Phil? You got somebody with small joints, heavy weights. He seems to get some nagging little injuries. I mean, I know how I feel about this, but let's see what you say about this. So he wants us to balance volume, intensity, and frequency for guys like that. In my mind, what I'm hearing is that, like, like on the on the chin up thing is like I've never done chin up so all of a sudden I decided to concentrate on them, so he went from like not doing them to I'm gonna do a bunch, and uh, then that turns out to be problematic, mm-hmm. you know because you take a body that's not used to it and now I'm doing a bunch of it, and of course it, that's a lot of times that's gonna lead to problems. So um, I think it, that that part a lot of it boils down to the patience thing, and if I was doing none yesterday, instead of doing four days a week now i'm going to start off and i'm going to do five and then next week i'll do 10 so it's just taking a slower approach to it and let your body mm-hmm. actually get used to the new stimulus mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have that and they end up getting injured they they i'm going to get chin-ups so i'm going to do you know i'm going to do pavel's power of the people and i'm going to do 105 chin-ups a day and then next day why are my why do i hurt well because <laughs> you went from none to 105 a day mm-hmm. um you didn't you didn't lead up to it at all um you know, with anything, you got to do that. I mean, it's just if I decided to start the GOMAD diet and I went from zero milk to a gallon a day, I'm going to have some gastric distress. Yeah. You know, yeah. And things like that. And your body's no different. You need to adapt. I don't buy the whole small joint thing uh, and not being able to power lift to a point because I've got tiny little girls that can lift tremendous amounts of weight. It's, uh, it's just we took the time to do it. And you got to condition your body for it. I mean, don't go from. Uh, lead up to it. I mean, a lot of times tendons and ligaments aren't like muscles. Yeah. These little people can get strong muscles fairly quickly, but those tendons and joints don't progress as fast. And that's That's proven by science, you know? So punch the clock, take a little time, get some lighter volume in. Don't go from curling a little bit to trying to just smash out heavy sets of three or something. You're going to, your joints are going to get pissed at a point. Well, if he's doing singles so, and doubles, I mean, that's what, you know, one or yeah. two chins, that, those are maximal, yes. you know, lifts. And know. I mean, nothing makes my new people as sore as like single chins or negative chins. You oh, know, yeah. Ones that can't even chins. do a chin. I'll have them do, like on day one, they'll do like, I had a girl do two negative chins. Yeah. I was like, you yep. are going to be sore from that. I did that back true. in the spring with someone. <laughs> yep. Yep. So absolutely, you know, I I really feel for you, Josh, because it, he says he's feeling demotivated. He's not cut out mm-hmm. for lifting. My first thing is, no. There's lots of ways to lift, you know. Mm-hmm. And if your waist is that small, dude, uh, you might want to focus on bodybuilding for a while. Yeah. I mean, you've got a whole career thicken up. Now, I will say this: all bodybuilders don't do sets of twelve to twenty. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of you know hardcore heavy training bodybuilders. 
and it can be hard on your joints. I know uh, I'm in, I was always in that same boat. You know, that's why my elbow's screaming like it is. And my wrist might hurt at times and that sort of thing. Um, but if you do want to get those tendons and ligaments just to change, you need load. You know, you need a certain amount of heavy training. But I think that's why you periodize. Like you yes, said, and that's it, what I was going to say. <laughs> you, yeah, periodize. So focus on some mass for a while. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you do sets of 12. Just get a pump, have fun, build some mass, focus on the nutrition. But what you started with, Phil, really struck me, which is what powerlifters do better than bodybuilders and that is slow progressive overload Mm -hmm. in bodybuilding you feel strong and you just start you add a couple of sets of heavy weights well that's too that's way too much whereas in powerlifting you know you'll see people calculating just an extra Mm -hmm. five on the side of the bar or something or one more rep in the whole workout kind of thing and bodybuilders don't do that usually yeah you know, I'm not saying he's a bodybuilder necessarily. In fact, it sounds like he might have some a gift for bodybuilding. I mean, little joints make you look huge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have to pack on tons of muscle to look big. Yeah, yeah. and you know, Rob, big. Rob's the same way. Rob, I've always yeah. said this, but you know, his elbows are so big. I mean, yeah. now on some level, I do think that helps with a lift because more of the load oh, yeah. can be yes. spread across a huge elbow, like yeah. like Rob's got. You know, and yeah. huge wrists. It's not a. It's not a there's a reason why like strongman competitors are just huge. Yes, there you is. Know, they're meant to handle load. They're Clydesdales. You know? <laughs> yes, yes, they yeah, are. So. You know, they got hands like catcher's mitts. You know, you shake yes. one of these guys' hands and I feel like a child. Um, and that's but, true. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, and you hit it on the head. I mean, I think it's take a, a more, if you will, scientific approach to your training. If you want to be lifting heavy, start 12 weeks prior and build up to that. And then, okay, you've, now we made it to the heavy point. Time to go back down. You know, valley peak, valley peak, and right. you'll find that you aren't as beat up. Because the, uh, talk to any powerlifter, and they feel the worst when they're going to the meet because they've just finished all their heavy, heavy training. It's like things hurt that normally don't. You know, all these joints are beat up. It's mm-hmm. part of the game, mm-hmm. and it's part of lifting heavy. When you lift heavy a lot, your joints and things hurt. And that's why we, you know, we reach that point. We go hit heavy lifts. We back off. We build up again, you know, because you just can't stay in that heavy zone all the time. Um, no, absolutely. It just doesn't work. Absolutely. No, if you he's know. ectomorphic, and it sounds like he's a little thinner and more ectomorphic, um, volume can kill you too. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you don't want to waste a bunch of calories just doing set after set of 12 either. Uh, but hence the periodization, you know. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, your, the length of a training uh, cycle mesocycle it's probably going to be lower for you i i I can tell you from my perspective uh like i'd read about some people going balls to the wall for 12 to 16 weeks if i did that i would be ruined yeah you know i think rob could probably do that and phil i don't know where you are on that spectrum but i can't right i do like eight to ten week mesocycles because i'm too beat up then i'll take a week just off and, you know, yeah. some people can't even do that, but basically like a work week and just not even go to the gym, mm-hmm. then start a new mesocycle, often with a different goal. You know, m- yeah. maybe then I'm going to do lower rep uh, after I've done the volume work or focus on something different uh, because mm-hmm. I cannot stretch my my training cycles out to 12 to 15 weeks or whatever. I just can't do it. Yeah. I'm and brutalized. that's I don't know. I mean, like my peaking cycles for, for myself and most of my lifters are 12 weeks. But of that 12 weeks, like not all of it's going balls to walls. You know, we're starting off light and we're hitting reps. And it's the last eight weeks that 
things are getting heavy and yeah, harder. Yeah. And that's where things get serious. And then, you know, I, I do some, some very hard programs where people are really pushing hard. And usually those tap out at six weeks. It's like six weeks of we're going to push this squat really hard for six weeks to the point where like on week five, you're like, I don't want to squat anymore. And then, you know, after week six, well, now we back off. I think that's really <laughs> good you advice. You can only handle it so long, you know. Yeah. I, I went to the very first International Congress on weightlifting and strength training, and there were superstar Eastern Bloc guys there, like Hakkinen and all these scientists. And there was a very clear-cut programming talk there. And, again, these are these, you know, uh, Finland, Soviet, Eastern Bloc kinds of thinking guys. And – um it was called Six Weeks to Peak Strength or something like mm-hmm. that. And this was not some internet maybe. This was a very, very heavily scientifically based thing. And they were basically showing nervous system and hormonal effects. And training super, super heavy, they were suggesting that anything beyond about six weeks mm-hmm. uh, for a heavy low rep peak, like in the 90% range, mm-hmm. um, is probably excess for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting. but. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we go to break, he also said, secondly, any specific training that he can do, like is it valid to strengthen your biceps and triceps to stop elbow pain, or what can he do for his wrists? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, like, biceps and triceps, uh, it depends on the issue. <laughs> but um, a lot of time, like we said, I mean, some lower volume and even controlled movements for those joints. I mean, I see a lot of pain come from super heavyweight and then also getting like fast fast work like locking out joints hard and things like that so oh yeah some sub maximal very controlled work to just let that joint settle down um Mm -hmm. and then your wrist i mean simple things like wrist rollers and things like that are they do they do work they're boring but it's it's work like that that gets it done i mean i hate doing i'm doing freaking adduction and abduction with five pounds right now but it helps (laughs) it bores the hell out of me but i know I got to do some of that. Yeah, different angles like that. I mean, your elbow, it doesn't do a whole lot of fancy stuff like a ball and socket joint, Mm -hmm. you know? So really your choices would be something like biceps curls or some type of Mm -hmm. triceps work. If one kind of triceps work hurts, don't do it. You know, like lying extensions, if hit heads or skull crushers are killing you because those are notorious, maybe you do some like cross bench dips, you know, with a, a couple of 45s on your lap or... Um, yeah, I have a lot of people that's that way. Like, oh, I can't do dips, man. They just hurt every time. So, well, good thing we have seven hundred other things to choose. Yep. So, or you know, yeah, for, and there's finding that out for for your elbow too. I mean, I think a lot of people overlook like hammer curls or reverse mm-hmm. grip. You know, like pronated grip curls because yeah. uh, that'll start targeting your brachialis or brachioradialis, mm-hmm. and not just your biceps muscle itself all the mm-hmm. time. So there's there are some smaller supportive joints around there. Uh, you know that you can do with just different angle and variety for for wrists i mean from the old bodybuilding school there was always just sort of cross you know lay your forearms on a bench and just do um forearm flexions you know or flip it around and with palms down and do forearm extension types of things but of course there's tons of other grip and you know mike nelson was talking about grip work just uh the other week so my guess though is i mean if i'm not saying i'm right but i'm i would guess i'm right is that He's really got this mindset of every set he goes needs to be balls out. And I think this is something that powerlifters do well as far as assistance work. Yeah. It's the whole, I'm going to do some for a few. (laughs) And, you know, when it comes to assistance work, it's just, I'm going to get some in. It's almost like pre-app. It doesn't have to be 
your assistance work, it's such small little muscles. It's not a squat. You know, you don't have all these other little supporting muscles to, to lean on when things get wore out. And it's such a small joint that you're asking to load. It's just push some fairly hard sets it and do a few patience. of them. You know, and that then takes a lot do of that for months. You know, yeah. they don't, you don't need to be, you know, your eyes don't need to be popping out of your head trying to hit a set of curls because you're straining so hard on that joint. It's it, just do some. I do know? think mass cures a lot of problems. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of muscle mass heaped around a joint. I mean, look at oh, like, yeah. like the shoulder joint's a classic example of that, mm-hmm. you know. but Well, there you go, Josh. Uh, thanks for the question. I definitely sympathize with you. Uh, I don't think there's any problem. Take some, maybe shorten your mesocycles. Uh, be careful with that. Yeah, choose a main goal for the next eight or ten weeks, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. it's hypertrophy and you're just – you're focusing on the nutrition and getting plenty of calories and protein and healthy fats, and you're trying to just hypertrophy like crazy, you know, and that kind of stuff. Because on some level, you've got to hypertrophy, I think, if you want um, thicker, more stable joints, mm-hmm. you know, on some level. So. Okay, let's go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the best muscle and strength documentaries. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio so go for it 
Okay, listeners, we are back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we're going to talk about some uh, bodybuilding and powerlifting and muscle documentaries. We've never touched on this before. Uh, we might have mentioned them in casual conversation, but never had a topic specifically about this. Um, I've got a list of maybe four or five, and Phil and I, some of us have seen one or the other, um, but we're going to give our thoughts on some of these things. Uh, and we're going to start, I think, with number one. In fact, if you look at the IMDb, you know, that movie database online of the top ten muscle movies, Pumping Iron is number one, 1977. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, that was the Gold Gym Venice Damn, documentary. Come on. 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 I don't know. Uh, first of all, let me ask you a few things here, Phil. So on a 10 scale, rate pumping iron for you. Nothing will beat it, I don't think, in the muscle world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it even for, for lifters. I mean, I think that my favorite thing I take from it is just the mind of a champion. You know, and Arnold displays that through the whole thing. Through the whole movie, he's just, he knows in his heart and his head, he's the best. It divides them one from a champion and one from not being a champion. If you can't go through this pain barrier, you make it to be a champion. If you can't go through, forget it. And that's what most people like, isn't this having the guts, the guts to go in and just say, I go through and I don't care what happens. You know, it aches. And if I fall down, I have, I have no fear of fainting in a gym because I know it's, it, it could happen. I threw up many times while I was working out, but it doesn't matter because it's all worth it. And he knows it so much that he convinces everybody else, everybody he's going against. They know I lost. You know, yeah. and that's a big part of of strength sports and, and any sport in general. Um, it, it, the same thing happened with with Kaz when he was in the world's strongest man. I mean, you see him re- walk into that sumo ring, and the other people were just afraid, you know, because they knew that Kaz was just he was just a freaking lion, and he knew I'm going to kill you, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it was sad looking at uh, Ferrigno, and he's just talking trash at him at that dinner and stuff. He's like, man, you're. You're like you're like four weeks out or whatever he said, you know, and you're not ready. Yeah, you're just a few weeks out. You're, I'm sorry, but you know, I, you'll take second, you know, or whatever. And he <laughs> he made him believe it. You know, he'd lost before the competition ever happened, and that's you know, you have to have that mindset. I mean, even if you're not the best, you come into a, a competition with the mindset, I'm going to kill everything I'm about to do, because if you have any doubt, especially as far as lifting heavy goes. The minute you step under a squat bar and you're like, I'm not going to get this, 90% chance you're not. You, you, you lost yourself already. Um, I've, I've missed, uh, I've said this numerous times, I've only missed one lift I knew I was going to make. And that was that 800 mm-hmm. that I missed right at lockout. And I was amazed I missed it. Mm-hmm. Because mentally I knew I'm going to pick this thing up and the crowd's going to go crazy. I'm going to be happy. And, you know, so, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing I took from that. I don't think any, any of the other documentaries as far as that have touched it i mean it's just a it's a well done piece you know in an upcoming i'm going to talk about an upcoming documentary here in a second but tom platz described arnold uh similarly to the way you did which was he said that guy's in love with life i want to be like that too you know i mean he was enjoying 
every second of it. Yes. And when you're on top, I guess it's easier to enjoy mm-hmm. like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be like that? I think that's why it was so inspirational. You know, yes. bodybuilding was being introduced to the public in a kind of a weird way. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people um, – I mean, it was well done, but – it was so bizarre. There were so few muscle culture hadn't kicked up in the late seventies. And, you know, they show these guys doing all kinds of stuff from ballet classes to enhance their posing. And, you know, some of the, um, social interactions in the gym and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. But yeah, Arnold did display that sort of love of life, that super charismatic, you know, cause you can argue that some of the physiques on the stages weren't any worse than his, but something about his like strength of persona yep. even influenced the judges, yep. you know, it was very, very cool stuff. Yep. Uh, I just alluded to this, but there's another one on my list. The second one is the comeback. You can actually find it free on YouTube under total rebuild. I don't know why it's been renamed and rebranded, but, uh, the comeback, I think that may be on this IMDb list as well. Here it is, number eight, 1980 documentary. It says, after an absence of five years, six times Mr. Olympia winner Arnold Schwarzenegger makes a comeback and attempts to take the World Bodybuilding Championship for the seventh time. So a film I'm going to do, which is Conan the Barbarian, and we're going to start shooting the, uh, the first few scenes in October. And so I really wanted to be muscular because the idea was that Conan was a very muscular, heroic-looking guy and that I should be in top shape. So all along with sword fighting lessons and dancing lessons and all that, I did my bodybuilding. But the closer I came to this competition, the more people started speculating on the idea that I would be competing. And uh, uh, the more I started thinking about the possibility. And so around three weeks or two weeks ago, I decided, well, I think it would be kind of an interesting challenge, really, to uh, do something in, in eight weeks that most of the guys do uh, of in uh, preparing a year or two years in advance. Um, Samir Banut is in that one, Boyer Coe, Ed Corney, Franco Colombo. Uh, there's um, Bill Pearl making comments in there. I think he was one of the judges, actually, and, of course, we've had Bill on the show. Um I love it. Uh, to me, it may be even better than uh, Pumping Iron, or it's certainly right up there with it. It is so good. I found it on a VHS tape in a local video store <laughs> and um, rented it until I wore it out practically, you know, back in the VHS days. But the comeback, uh, Tom Platts is notable because uh, he does not win. You know, he's in the best shape of his life. I mean, they interview him backstage and. Uh, after he knew he wasn't called out in the final, you know, um, final five or six guys. And he says, am I disappointed? Yeah, I'm disappointed. I'm the best I can be right now. You know, but mm-hmm. he looked amazing. Again, yeah. it might have been sort of that pay your dues sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, he was sort of bringing giant legs <clears throat> yeah. to people's attention for the first time. But make no mistake, Tom was ridiculous in the upper body, too. Mm-hmm. His back could have been a little bit deeper or... You know, a little bit better compared to some of the other guys, but he was freaking amazing. And just the humility and the hope and the drive of these guys, it's so inspirational. And I think Mm -hmm. it's why these old documentaries like um, Pumping Iron or The Comeback, again, or Total Rebuild on YouTube, Mm -hmm. it's so inspirational to some of the young guys. 
I consider bodybuilding philosophical, very much so. I question my existence. Why do I exist? Where am I going? Uh, I always had this craving for more. I compare this to uh, John Jonathan Livingston Siegel. This the Siegel uh, wanted to, to do something different than the normal everyday thing which he was supposed to do and they urged him to do. He wanted to expand and to wonder and to, to do something unique and artistic. And not only not only in, in the sense for expanding uh, his artistic ability, but for this in the sense of his expanding his expanding his awareness. To me it's the same type of thing I associate with my bodybuilding. So naturally the dedication I have for the sport is very intense. I'll give anything. I'll give total commitment to do it. Because I, I, I must do it the best or better than I can possibly do it for my ability. And uh, that's what it's all about tomorrow night on stage. All year long I've been doing this. And now the final day is here to show what I've done. I see a lot of young guys, they're, they're inspired by the old schooler. And it might just be because the attitude was different. The, the events were more formal. You know, you didn't see guys getting out on stage swiveling their hips like they're freaking male strippers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Frank Zane uh, is in that. Um, super respectful. Again, awesome strength of character. Like, Frank just looks like a champion. You know, he walks yeah. out there, and that guy's got it together. Die Stadt Nummer 7 für die USA startet Frank Zehn. Uh, and that's, I think that's something that a lot of young guys can aspire to, frankly. You know, and I'm not sure the new guys, I, I don't know, you know, they're not paid to be spokesmodels, so to speak, but they're, I, I don't know, they're not the, the charisma level of some of those other guys you know from the like i said the 80s 90s uh maybe that's the old fart in me talking i don't know a lot of the ones now it's like keep the microphone away from them and everything will be okay you know know, just don't let them talk good point (laughs) because one of the reasons i think arnold was talking circles around lou ferrigno is because arnold is just smarter Mm -hmm. Uh, you know he's just more intelligent guy yeah i don't know uh Okay, bigger, stronger, faster is number two on this IMDb list. Mm-hmm. 2008 documentary. It says an examination of America's win-at-all-cost culture from the perspective of bodybuilding and performance-enhancing drugs, mm-hmm. as it focuses on a pair of siblings chasing their dream. This is Chris Bell. Um, what do you think? I I loved Chris's documentary. I mean, I loved it because it's it's one of the only docu- normally a documentary. Like you see it and you clearly know within the first five minutes, okay, yeah, they're taking this side of the argument and they're going to show that one blatant side. And Chris, I think did, I don't know if you can do a better job of really focusing on, on both sides. And he, he interviewed people from both sides, experts. And, uh, you know, I think that's, it was a, it was a probably the best and and may always be the best documentary ever done on performance enhancing drugs. You know, just as far as a standpoint, I mean, I point everybody to watch it if they have a question about it, because it really answers a lot of questions to the general public don't know. Um, as far as, you know, basically the America, it's like drugs, big cheater, you know, <laughs> and Chris does a good job of, 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 of covering that. And yeah, so 
they uh, they gave it a 7.6 out of 10, which is actually one decimal notch higher even than pumping iron. Uh, right. What would you give it on a 10 scale, bigger, stronger, faster? Well, the thing is, I'd probably rate pumping iron higher than that, but uh, but we're in a population that do that. I don't know, I'm 8 or 9 out of 10. Yeah, you know, I mean, me I too. A, the thing is, with that IMD, as you're talking, there's a bunch of people that probably aren't into our culture that has ended up watching it. And oh, rank, very much. Rank it lower. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, I think anybody in our culture would rank it very high. Um, so, no, I think he did a, a, a really good job. Uh, of that film. Well, I so. think the the focus on performance enhancing drugs is something you did not see in pumping iron or the comeback. I mean that there was sort of the elephant in the room, of course. Yes. You know. And these guys they dared to talk about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, not in some after school special preachy sort of way, like yeah. cheater so bad, you know, not yeah. legitimate. Um and yet they weren't trying to say hooray for steroids either. Yes. Exactly. You know. Uh, which would have illegitimized them, you know. And there's some very interesting stuff in there about other sports. You know, people tend to look at the strength sports as, uh, well, because they're obvious examples. You see some huge jacked Kazmaier or powerlifter bodybuilder type guy. They're poster boards for, wow, this guy's not completely natural. But, you know, he was with the sprinters and some of the other things that they – they discuss i'm pretty sure that was bigger stronger faster than oh yeah and even performance you know. arts he went in with the singers and musicians right you know and yep. taking you know what is it adderall or whatever the hell they take to calm their nerves before they and it's like there's not much of a difference you know and yet we don't frown upon that you know yes they're still altering their natural state to do better in their in their chosen craft yeah you know it's yeah, the, the hypocrisy around not just recreational uh, drugs, basically, like drinking and smoking and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Most people aren't so down on that because they want to do some of that, too. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to point a finger at some of these performance-enhancing uh, anabolic drugs because a, a lot of people, they simply don't want to do that, yeah. too, so they can they can point a finger at it. You know, and like you said, it's a difference. Is, yeah, the weird thing is, I mean... Nobody would frown on if my next door neighbor went to GNC and bought the latest so-called testosterone booster or whatever. He's trying to enhance his his personal self, and everybody'd be fine with that. The minute he went and actually bought the real stuff, oh, horrible! He's trying to do the same thing, you know, the same exact thing. He's just <laughs> choosing something that's much more effective. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's part of it. It's part of the it's part of sports. It's never going away. And I mean, I think he did a good. Everybody thinks that the minute you you take performance enhancing drugs, that like your heart's going to explode, you're going to die, and right. your liver's going to fall out. Of, yeah, your yeah. liver's. And he does a good job of explaining that. And and it, like you said, but he doesn't at the same time champion say everybody should be doing it. You know, because um, there are definitely side effects and and bad things to it but um i think they're a a lot overblown um and he does a good job of showing that and i think it's one of the few documentaries i would probably show in a classroom because you know it opens a lot of people's eyes even if they go into that with a very ignorant uh viewpoint either pro or Mm -hmm. con it kind of walks that delicate middle line it was just facts you know yeah Yep. So, yeah, you know, and I, I was surprised they gave it a 7.6 out of 10 because, uh, again, IMDB is, like you said, that's not part of a strength culture. And they're 
even people on here are rating it fairly high. So it must have struck the right chord, even with people outside of the muscle subculture, you know. Okay, um, just moving down the list here. Uh, Generation Muscle. I remember watching parts of this, and there are free clips on YouTube. Maybe I'll put some links in the show notes. Uh, did you get to see Generation Muscle, Phil? No, I didn't. I yeah. never brought myself to watch it. Yeah. You know, right. Well said. I, I think I was kind of the same thing. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm quite as motivated, you know, yeah. by like the Jay Cutlers and the Kai Greens and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, they look amazing, but I don't. I don't know. And again, it might be an age-related thing because I know I have some students that are very stoked about that. Uh, It did get pretty good ratings um, from IMDb. It's not like it was ripped on badly. And you know what? At least it was – you could almost look at it like a follow-up to Pumping Iron. I mean I knew there was Pumping Iron 2 about the women back in the mid-'80s. But Generation Iron, they give it 7.2 out of 10. This is a 2013 documentary. Uh it says a documentary follows top bodybuilders as they train to compete in the Mr. Olympia uh, competition. Mm-hmm. And then um, as far as the people in it, it says Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mickey Rourke, uh, Lou Ferrigno. There's, there's a number of names on here. So I don't know. Maybe uh, listeners make some comments on our Facebook page. Maybe we start a thread about some of these things. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of documentaries that we're not hitting on. Yeah, I actually had that uh, a student of mine – his name was Mike. He actually lent it to me uh, mm. once or twice, and I just I never got around to actually. <laughs> I didn't want to be highly disappointed. Yeah, uh, and I'll just be honest. And it was like, eh. well, but... seven point two out of ten from yeah. uh, the Gen Pop judges here. You yeah. know, I'm surprised by that, and I think I'm at least going to go give it some YouTube clip time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can take a look at some of that stuff. Like I said, it's the. The Jay Cutlers and the Kai Green and Phil Heath yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, there's less variation in the physiques. I've said it before. You know, they're almost cookie cutter. You know, talk about mass curing everything. I mean, even the weaknesses. But it's also the GH belly and the stuff that like Arnold's been really railing about lately too. You know, mm-hmm. the the judges should be saying, "Listen, you look huge. You're ripped. That's cool. But that belly, you you're not in the top five. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually call them out. But anyway, um, and then you said you had one called Strong. Yeah. What and was that, that was about? a documentary that, that followed uh, – it follows Cheryl Hayworth, who's a top Olympic weightlifter for um, America, women's Olympic weightlifter. This was back in 2012 um, when it came out. And it was kind of following her at the end of her career and trying to make a – basically one last shot. You know, type of thing. She had she had struggled some injuries and things like that, and trying to do this comeback and stay on top. Um, and yeah, I think it was a, it was a good show. And I mean, it also it shows that part of it. You know, an, an athlete coming towards their end and and trying to end on kind of a champion status. But then it also sh- it did a good job for, I guess, female athletes or, or bigger athletes, and in, in the fact that it 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 showed this weird contradiction of, like, on one point she's she's praised by her coaches and other athletes of being, you need to be this big, you know, you need to move these weights. And then at the other end, she's like way out of the other spectrum of mainstream culture for women. Um, you know, she's over 300 pounds. And yeah. Yeah. So at one point she's, she's championed by a whole group of people. 
because she's so big and strong. And then the other side, it's like, well, you're not a lady at the same time. You're not America's, you know, definition of, of a woman. And, uh, so it's neat in that, that aspect. I think it was, it was well done. How strange uh, for her, you know, to be celebrated by like the insider culture, yeah. but to be told, well, you're not Jillian Michaels. You're not what, yes. you know, what, exactly. uh, you know, um, you'd be both flattered and pissed off at the same time. Yeah. You know, depending on and who you you're talking to. you hear that crap all the time. It's the same thing as the, the YouTube experts that see Benedict Magnuson deadlift. 1,015, and they're like, yeah, but he's fat. Well, I don't care. It's 1,015 pounds. You do that and be skinny. That's beside you the know? point. <laughs> you know, that has nothing to do with it. Um, well, I so, think yeah. all the way back to the days of, like, Lexiev and a lot of, like, the super heavy, we have this idea that there's weight, like, Olympic weightlifters or powerlifters are these, like, super huge but also fat I don't know, uh, like this rare class of athlete in some weird contradictory zone like a sumo wrestler or something, yeah. and we don't know what to do with them. You know, we don't know what to – should we be impressed? Should we not? Yeah, and people just they – can't, they can't view it for what it is, an amazing feat. It's like – I don't know what – everybody always wants to knock somebody down a peg. I could do that too if I was 400 pounds. No, you know you couldn't. You know? <laughs> you really couldn't. <laughs> right. So – um, you do it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do it then. You know, it's <laughs> like no, you don't have the desire and the will and the you know to to take do what it takes to lift a thousand pounds or throw as a female you know four hundred pounds over your head. You know, it's just it's an amazing feat and you know let her have that. You know, it's okay that you suck compared to her. You know, admit it and move yeah, on. Admit it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the and that's what I like about things like that is it's you know. It, it just shows that side of it. but It's that contradictory thing where I think a lot of actually uh, younger guys – you know how we just had the uh, Josh asking us about my joints are small and my cut out for lifting? And I would say absolutely. You know, you, I think the guys that, that are a little more ectomorphic with small joints, they're the ones that if they can hypertrophy, uh, natural or otherwise, they become the most dramatic. I mean mm-hmm. – but by the flip side, it's the people who carry more body fat – uh, they're not going to be the same kind of athlete that America expects in a lot of ways, but it gives the heavier guys and gals something that they can excel at. Yeah, you know, uh, you just have to choose your uh, your muscle sport wisely, I guess. You know, yeah. you know, based and on it's your like, strengths. I don't know, just recently, the ESPN thing came out with a new cover of. Uh, it was like basically it was a cover. It was a magazine displaying different shapes of athletes again. And one of the girls that made the covers like five two two ten, and she's a freaking uh, uh, a hammer thrower, and just oh. amazing physique. But mm-hmm. you know, totally different. She's not tiny, and but I mean, you could tell that she's just powerful. But uh, of course, she doesn't get the play that you know somebody that fits the mold does. Right. So right, and it's somehow we don't get past that as a culture. And every I don't know. I think a lot of it is. Like I talked about, and people don't want to admit that that person's doing something that they're not willing to do. It's just the same thing as, you know, I've got 14-year-olds in my gym picking up more than grown men. Yeah. And it always comes down to the minute somebody's stronger than the norm, it's like, well, he's on drugs. No, he's not. You know? <laughs> he just works his ass off. <laughs> right. You know? And you're so weak mentally that you're not willing to do it. Yeah. So It's also the body fat thing. You know, we're so conditioned yeah. to expect athletes to be 
ripped, you know, or maybe not ripped, but to look athletic. But our definition of athletic doesn't embrace body fatness, and body yeah. fat's a part of a lot of uh, athletic events, you know. Oh, well, yeah, especially, I mean, there was a documentary not too long ago, and I guess I totally forgot about this one that me and my wife watched about some lady that she decided to swim an ultra marathon. So she had to swim like 100 kilos, and it followed her purposely getting her body fat up to like 48%. Because then right. she's more buoyant and right. You know. Or look at football linemen. So, you know, yeah. people can be impressed yeah. by that. We don't think about. Yeah, I don't know. We don't think about the contradiction. You know. <laughs> yep. And the fact that they're they're the athletes' bodies, especially at a high level, they're the way it looks is that is a, a direct correlation to the job they have to get done. You know, right. I don't, specificity. I'm not going to hire. I'm not going to hire an offensive lineman. That's that's six foot, one hundred eighty pounds. He's going to get crushed right. by a dude that's six four, three eighty yep. across from him. Yeah, I need a big mass of humanity that's very strong and very explosive. Massive <laughs> humanity, right? <laughs> right. You know? That's right. That's right. And that's what I mean. Like JP used to play football, and the I had to run against him in our strength guild games, and you know I actually hung with him, but his he blew me off the line to see somebody. And I had to do tug of war. See somebody that heavy somebody move like that. that heavy that has like a 10-yard a sprint that fast that just, I mean, yeah. to get 360 pounds to literally explode off a line is amazing. Right, know? right, yeah. <clears throat> so. Okay. Well, that's our short list of documentaries. I'm sure there are others. And again, if anybody's interested, post them on the Facebook listeners page. Uh, I have not mentioned the contest i'm still picking a couple of people uh it'll be more than one as far as the comeback from injury thing i'm going to save that till next week because i think we might have a guest that's about comeback from injury and uh also quick note about the iron radio store i put some cool stuff in there if you're interested there's some matcha green tea and if you don't think you don't like green tea check out some of this powdered green tea from japan it's not even the same animal and i put some mct oil in there uh, I've actually been cooking with MCT oil. I put some in a misto sprayer uh, for some of my cooking and stuff because you don't want to overdo that stuff. You take more than a tablespoon or two at a time, and you're going to get diarrhea. But I thought, oh, I can put it in a misto and use it like that. So when I come up with some of this stuff, I'll put it in the store um, and that sort of thing. So anyway. Hi, everybody. Have all right. Weekend. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron 
are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.